turn that frown upside down. Smile, your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking, there's clouds in the sky. You're gonna get by if you just smile. Smile, 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 smile. Seriously, you're bringing everybody down. <laughs> Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my very happy co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, what did you think of our intro there? That is from uh, Cozy Corner's hardest rock band, Lever, covering the Charlie Chaplin standard (laughs) smile, which uh, features in the film we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I I love it. I love anything from Lever. (laughs) They are our favorite band. They have a new album out. It's called Pull It. Yeah. So, I think that says it all. <laughs> yes. I think there might be some sexual innuendo there, possibly. Yeah, maybe, just a little. <laughs> possibly. So, well, we are in the month of February. We are doing horror movies in February. Last month was dedicated to the mystery thriller film. This month we're back to doing horror films. Our big Wednesday show this week is going to be Beetlejuice from director Tim Burton and it stars Michael Keaton. And we're as a supplement to that, we're going to do the Batman 1989 film on Tuesday. But today we thought we'd take a look at a new movie that is uh, slated at this time of the recording to win a whole bunch of Oscars, is nominated for 11 Oscars. Faith, what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about Joker. Joker is a 2019 film directed by Todd Phillips. And Faith, I'm going to read off a list of movies that Todd Phillips has directed. Tell me what you think of this filmography. And then also tell me if any of these movies scream to you, hey, I'm going to direct this dramatic turn of the Joker. You ready for this? Road Trip. Old School, Starsky and Hutch, The Hangover Trilogy. No. No, I know the movies, but you wouldn't think that'd you be the first person to do Joker now. <laughs> I, uh, I, for the most part, really like those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, those are some good yeah. good comedy films, you know, yeah. for the most part. For, um, for the most part. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Phillips, who is nominated for Best Director, and he is uh, nominated for an Adaptation Award, screenplay adaptation award with Scott Silver for this film. Scott Silver is best known for writing the Eminem film Eight Mile. He's written some other things, but that's the biggest name on his uh, on his resume. Uh, he did this film because he quit comedy because of the current political climate. He says people get offended at things too easily. We live in a cancel culture, and he said it's just not ripe to be funny the way that he thinks we should be funny. I'll, I'll, I'll go yeah. there. I'll yeah. go there with I'll him. go there. <laughs> go there with him. So uh, he said he just wanted complete creative freedom here on this film. And because there is no official origin story for the Joker, those things kind of kind of coalesce nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the star of this movie is Joaquin Phoenix. He was looking for a character study film, a very small film. He wanted to take a comic book villain and do just a a low budget look at who they are. So he was looking to do this. Todd Phillips had been looking to do a film on the Joker and this magic Magic thing happened. happened. (laughs) Yes. Todd Phillips says about this film, the intent was not to introduce Joaquin Phoenix to the DC Comics Extended Universe, but to introduce the DC Extended Universe to Joaquin Phoenix's world. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think they may have succeeded. I think so. <laughs> may have succeeded. I just want to add, too, I said he quit comedy because of the current political climate. Uh, he has said in several interviews that this is not a political film, although several people have read different things into it. Uh, we may touch on a little bit of that here, but uh, he says it's not a political film. And I'll say at the outset, I didn't get much of a political vibe from it, uh, no. aside from a few things that um, may or may not be relevant to today's climate, but seem to be relevant to every climate throughout history. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we have a good cast here, I think. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays uh, Arthur Fleck, who becomes the Joker. Robert De Niro makes an appearance. Francis Conroy. One of my favorite character actors of all time, Brett Cullen, plays Thomas Wayne. And Zazie Beetz plays his neighbor in the film. She is best known for her role in the second Deadpool film as Domino. And I would like to say that Zazie Beetz, if I am indeed pronouncing that correctly, sounds like a pair of headphones. <laughs> it does. Zazie Beetz. She was great in this, though. She, she, was. she was really good. She's an Australian actress, too, which I, which I oh, thought was cool. really interesting. Like, I wouldn't have thought that because mm -mm. Uh, there was no tell in her voice mm -mm, not at all you know uh joaquin phoenix uh got this role although todd phillips says he was always the guy he wanted uh the studio at one time martin scorsese was involved in the production of this and we're going to talk about scorsese in a second here when scorsese was involved they really wanted to get leonardo dicaprio in here as the joker and let me ask mm -hmm. you this because you're a dicaprio fan i, I mm -hmm. like dicaprio quite a bit could you have seen him playing the joker this version of the Joker? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. It it doesn't work for I me. Don't, I don't see it. This version. I'm trying to, I'm trying to play it out in my head. I, yeah. I don't think I see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those big what ifs, right? <laughs> so we talked about Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese's influences all over this picture, specifically two films, Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy. In The King of Comedy... Check this, Faith. Robert De Niro plays a stand-up comedian who's obsessed with a talk show host. Does this sound <laughs> somewhat familiar? A little familiar, yeah. In this movie, he plays the talk show host. Mm -hmm. So there you go. The character of the Joker debuted April 25th, 1940, all the way back in Batman number one. He is celebrating his 80th birthday this year. He is the clown prince of crime, and he is consistently voted one of, if not the greatest comic book villain of all time. As I said, this film has 11 Oscar nominations. Uh, by the time this comes out, the Oscars will be over, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix is indeed the uh, odds-on favorite to win Best Actor for this. Uh, here are some of the gentlemen who have portrayed the Joker over the years. Cesar Romero played him in the 1960s Adam West TV show, Jack Nicholson in the 1989 Tim Burton movie. Mark Hamill voiced him in the 1992 Batman animated series and has voiced him in several productions since then. Heath Ledger in 2008 won an Academy Award posthumously for playing the Joker. Now we have Joaquin Phoenix playing the character here. So, <laughs> you actually forgot one. <laughs> who did I forget? See, I forgot him while I was watching the movie. Think about it. Hmm. Jared Leto. <laughs> I did, didn't I? <clears throat> I? I honestly forgot about him while I was watching how, it, and I went back and I was like, oh my how, gosh, Jared how, Leto. How could we forget Jared Leto, right? an Oscar winner, <laughs> yes. Uh, and Suicide Squad played the Joker, and I believe we'll play him again at some point in the future. Uh, that movie, uh, try to forget. So, <laughs> Yes, no, no, offense. It, no, no I, offense. I honestly forgot about him. I did too. While watching the movie, because I was going through all of them, and then I went, I'm forgetting somebody. Jared Leto. And I was like, oh. And it's funny because when I was putting these notes together, I did read that he was upset that they were doing a Joker film mm -hmm. without him that was, you know, any anything with a Joker 
without him. So let's get right into it. Faith, uh, this was a first time watch for us. We missed this at the movie theater, but uh, we did catch it on uh, digital download. What were your thoughts on Joker? I actually like this more than I thought I was going to, just because I'm kind of I'm kind of picky toward these movies, if that makes any sense. You know, kind of superhero type. You know, not that this is you know against superheroes. You know, you know what I'm what I'm trying to say. So I kind of get a little picky, but this was actually really good. <laughs> I like this a lot. I stayed away from this movie because uh, I have not been the hugest fan of the DCEU. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that said, there are a couple of moments and movies in there that I do like. And I will say this, too. I kind of have superhero fatigue at this point. Um we talked about Suicide Squad, and it seems that like the film <laughs> Suicide Squad, the template for that is the same template that is in the Marvel movies. There's mm-hmm. something going on. There's a big light going up into the sky. They have to stop so-and-so. And quippy, quippy joke, quippy <laughs> joke, funny, ha-ha. And then it's two and a half hours. Right. And you walk out of the movie theater, and for the most part, uh, with some big exceptions in this genre, you forget it. The minute you walk out, for the most part, that's my that's my personal take on the superhero genre. What it's what right. it's been becoming. Now there are exceptions to that we've talked about um, Infinity War and Endgame on this show. We were both huge fans of Infinity War and yes. uh, in Endgame. So I mean, there's always always exceptions to this, but for the most part, it just seems like uh, these superhero films are comfort food. You know, mm-hmm. food that you know. You, Taco Bell drive-thru or something like this. Uh, This movie surprised the absolute living hell out of me with how good it was. I think I was worried, and I shouldn't have been because he did this so well, Todd Phillips, just because of the films and you're going into Joker and you got Joaquin Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix is an odd duck. Mm -hmm. He's he's, He's a strange guy. I appreciate, though, how weird he is. And I think some of it's an act. I really do. Some of it's an act, but he he is a little Mm off-center and I think... uh, so, I mean, there was just this fatigue, but I was intrigued and it was always like, I'm going to wait for this at home. I don't want to go out and see it. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, there was this whole thing when it was out that it was going to incite all of this violence and all it really did was incite people to dance downstairs. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, I really liked this. I was really impressed by it. I was impressed by the homages to Martin Scorsese. I was impressed by the seriousness of it. Mm-hmm. I was impressed by the overall tone of it. I was impressed uh, with the script and the direction. Everything about this movie is absolutely fantastic. And it's uh, a very serious, dark and gritty film. Yes. <laughs> and I have a note here. I have said this on the show before. Uh, it's a shame that movies today are not made for adults. And this is a movie that was made for adults. This is not a kid's movie. This mm. is not a comic book movie. It doesn't feel like a Mm-mm. comic book movie. No. This is a movie that was made for adults, and it was so refreshing to see something that harkens back to the great days of cinema, that, that uh, yeah. late 70s, early 80s Scorsese era of cinema. And, and they tipped their, their hat right in the beginning, and I want to say from here on out, there will be spoilers, we'll begin into the film, uh, with the Warner Brothers logo, the, the original, you know, the old 80s, mm-hmm. you know, red with the little black and the W, you know, it's like the old Scorsese pictures, you know, from that time. Yeah. So, um uh, they, you could tell that they that they really loved the Scorsese stuff and and they incorporated it, but it wasn't a rip of the Scorsese stuff. Mm-hmm. Just so much as Taxi Driver's about a guy in a society that doesn't care about him. Here you have Arthur Fleck, who's mm-hmm. a guy in a society that doesn't care about him, and then you have uh, you know the King of Comedy with him going on the TV show and all this. So some interesting stuff going on, and and really 
thought-provoking stuff, I thought. So what, what did you take out of Joker? I mean, I was viewing it, you know, as this whole, obviously, m- mental health, you know, is kind of right there staring at you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I think... I think at the end of the day, I think it's about how you how you treat people with, you know, with that kind of, regardless yeah. of what they have going on. You know what I yeah. mean? You don't know what people are going through. Exactly. So, yeah, no. Exactly. So I want to address the political stuff here because people on the left and right were both kind of claiming the movie and then disowning the movie. And, uh, you know, they were throwing out Trump and Antifa and, and, and you know, and, and Occupy Wall Street and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Todd Phillips at his word here that he was not making a political film. But one of the things that he said in the movie that I do think he's commenting on, and it's one of the very first lines in the movie, is he says that uh, Arthur Fleck says things are getting bad out there. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the psychiatrist lady he's talking to says, you know, yeah, they are, you know, and they're always getting bad. So, I mean, I don't think that is something that is, you know, uh, directed to one thing technically or you know that is just you know uh indicative of this this time period right. i think every time period has something everybody's going oh it's not like it used to be right. and and one of the things i was saying this is maybe off the beaten path with it you know you always have people out there talking the end of the world and apocalypse and all this and if you go back and you look at if you go back to the bible you know 2000 some odd years ago even before that mm-hmm. And for 2,000 years, people have been preaching the end of the world. The end of the world is coming. It's near. It's close. It's close, you know, and all this and all this is going to happen soon. And you notice, like, it hasn't happened yet, you know, right. which which is, is really interesting. So we seem to always be in this, like, snowball effect of it's getting worse. It's getting worse. And I, I don't think that, like I said, that that's just, you know— um, yeah, our our generation, our time that we're living in right now. But I think every every generation goes through that. But yeah. I, I it is bad out there right now, <laughs> and, and the past couple of weeks have really shown that. I don't want to get into a political discussion here, but this country, at least the politicians that are in Washington, seem to be divided right down the middle, right. and want to do everything in their power to divide us right down the middle. Mm-hmm. I think that the American people are much better than that, and I think that the things that unite us are much greater than the things that divide us. That is yeah. as political as I will get on this show, <laughs> and I do think that people at their at their core are good. You know, maybe yeah. sometimes we forget it. This movie addresses some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but he, he does say that. And I mean, that did speak to me about the current climate that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. So uh, but again, I don't I don't know about the political issues here. I, uh, I wasn't I, I wasn't watching it, you know, in that direction. You know, no. the mental health thing is really interesting. And I think this movie does speak to how. We treat people. I had a conversation with our friend Cade. He saw this in the movie theater, and I want to say this. Um, I asked him, well, how was Joaquin Phoenix in the film? And he goes, oh, he makes all the other guys look like cartoon characters, you know, that played the mm-hmm. character, and I, I'll agree with him. We're going to talk more about Joaquin in a second. But um, his take on it was, he said, if anything, and I agree completely with him because I'm thinking this is a Washington, this is an indictment of the mental health treatment Mm -hmm. in maybe not even in this country just around the world you know with uh cutting funds to people like this and you know and we need to be taking care of people like this Mm -hmm. that's that's one of the things i believe in our social contract that we have to do is take care of people like this and we don't take care of him Mm -mm. in this movie we treat him unkindly you know he he he's constantly getting stepped on in this movie i mean there's sympathy 
generated for him in the first 15 minutes here when he's out there doing his little clown dance and he's mm-hmm. uh, accosted by these kids and he gets his ass kicked and, and all this and no one seems to care about him. Even, you know, and as, as this movie goes on, you realize that no one has ever really cared about him. Mm-hmm. His life was not a tragedy. It turns out it was a comedy and it's, and it's absolutely chilling. So this reminded me of the way that he is cut loose in a way from his uh, mental health uh, treatment. What did they say? Setbacks that cut the funding or something like this? I think it. so, yeah. Because if you haven't seen the movie, he, he's going and he's talking to a lady and that's where he gets his medication. And uh, he seems to be, how would you describe him when he's on his medication? He's at least kind of sort of, there. At least trying, <laughs> as he says, trying to be happy, right. like trying to to participate in society mm-hmm. or at least not get run over by it. Would right. you say that? Yeah. Yeah. I think for the most part, I feel like he's he's uh, he's trying to be a little more involved, maybe with, you know, being kind of uh, maybe grounded to himself or something in a way. Yeah. Or, grounded is a good word. Yeah. You know. He's at least in the box at that yeah. point. <laughs> Um, this reminded me, there's a wonderful documentary that came out several years ago about maybe the world's greatest bass player named Jocko Pastorius and Jocko and Faith, you've heard Jocko's mm-hmm. tracks before. And Jocko is one of those names. If you're, if you're in the know musically, especially if you're a bass player, you know who Jocko Pastorius is. He's one of the greatest to ever pick up the instrument. And I, and I want to highly recommend him, his music. He played with a group called Weather Report. Please check them out. Uh, the track Birdland, that was a top 40 hit for them. But Jocko... Uh, Jocko was just a genius musician and he just happened to be a bass player. Do you know what I mean? Like the instrument, the, the, the paintbrush that he used to paint his pictures was the bass guitar. Mm-hmm. It, it, it wouldn't have mattered what he played. He had that thing, that musical fingerprint right. and he was just, it's beautiful music. And, uh, some of it gets kind of out there, but, uh, Jocko had mental issues and toward the end of his life. And it's, and it's one of these things when I watched this documentary, uh, it's another one that's kind of an indictment because it was in the 80s and he was in uh, Bellevue, I believe, in New York and he started to get better and then they released him and they cut funding. or so. it was, It's something with they had to let him go. And what happens is they let him go and he moves down back down to Florida where he was from and he ended up just living in a park and then ended up getting beaten to death. You know? Jeez. And, and I was watching this and I was thinking about that. You know, not right. not Jocko, but just that whole situation, yeah. just how terrible this is. And, and, and you know, that it's real, that <laughs> it's real, that something, you know, he didn't snap like this guy, you know, right. um, but it possibly, you know, it could, but it was, it's the same thing. Like the know? funding got cut. They let him go. There's, there's all this bu- uh, bureaucracy and red tape and they let him go. And then he dies, you know, yeah. because he gets into a fight and he gets beaten, you beaten to death. Yep. You know, and it's and it's and it's a tragedy that shouldn't it shouldn't have happened, and, exactly. it, and it could have been avoided. And things in this movie could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's one of the things that that we're saying here. You know, just because he does make the point several times throughout the movie. You know, where's the civility? You know, people are so mean. You know, yeah. you know, he says, you know, where's civility? You know, people aren't nice. You know. Um. Anyway, with that said, <laughs> with that said, as dark and dour as all that sounds, <laughs> uh, it. It's not exactly a heavy-handed movie, is it? It's it's very, it is very entertaining. Oh yeah, you know, as as you're watching oh, it, yeah. um, amazing. It was, it was almost kind of hard to look away from it. Yeah, know? it really was, wasn't it? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was watching like on my phone, kind of just up close and personal, and I was like, I can't put the phone down. <laughs> it's just yeah. like wow. This, 
Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. I think Todd Phillips, like I said, I think he wrote with uh, Mr. Silver, Scott Silver there. I think they wrote a really great movie. I think mm-hmm. he directed it really well. Uh, everybody, you know, production design on this was, was absolutely wonderful. But uh, let's get into the cast here because the cast, uh, one guy in particular here that we're going to talk <laughs> about really, this really is his movie. This is, oh, and, yeah. and he carries this. And I think this is going to be the thing that he's probably best remembered for. And he's he's been great in a lot of stuff. Yeah, That's he the thing. Has. Uh, I mean, going back to, um, yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. I was uh, seven years old. He was in a movie in 1986 called Space Camp when he was a kid, and his name was uh, Leaf Phoenix, and he was <laughs> the brother of River Phoenix. Uh, and I don't know if he changed it, if his name is Joaquin. I don't know what the story is there, but they all had like nature names, River and Leaf, and there was a sister. I forget her name. Uh, but uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays Arthur Fleck. Um, now I want to say this: they didn't. Uh, they didn't pull too much from the comics, uh, from comic history, and I thought that was really refreshing in the invention mm-hmm. of this. They weren't relying on certain beats from the from the comics. They were like, we have a clean slate. Right. The closest that they come is the Killing Joke. Uh, the Killing Joke from 1988 is one of the most influential pieces of Joker literature out there, and uh, they introduced the idea that he was a failed stand-up comedian in that, which they they pull that in, mm-hmm. but that's that's about it. You know, they, um, but, uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays Arthur Fleck and he is, of course, as we said, nominated for best actor. He's been picking up a bunch of hardware for this. What did you think of Joaquin Phoenix's performance? Cause this is the movie. The movie lives and dies on Joaquin's uh, shoulders. I think he was amazing. Like I said, I think a part of me not wanting to put, you know, the screen down watching this was just kind of in awe of his performance because I think he's. Like you said, he's he's kind of a kind of a little out there. And I don't know if I would have picked him first for the role, you know? Yeah. And man, he is incredible. He really is. He uh, there there's there seems to be a line he crosses here where you're not watching an actor act, you're mm-hmm. watching an actor be. Mm-hmm. And it's completely effortless the way that he slips in and out of the uh, the the scent into crazy. It, it's not yeah. telegraphed, you right. know. It's you're not watching somebody acting almost as you're watching this guy almost caught in a documentary in a lot of I you know, know in a yeah. lot of ways, uh, which I think is how good he is in the movie. You yeah. Know? Uh, but he's performing. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and he so inhabits this, and uh, yeah, and inhabiting this guy's skin. I read he lost fifty two pounds. I mean, he's emaciated Gee. in this movie. He's so unhealthy looking, and it, it it's like the the weight made his facial features bigger. Mm-hmm. Which which yes, um, that's what I was noticing. And Phillips likes to get him in close up quite a bit. I mean, you're looking at his face. Yeah, you know that's the thing. His. His face in close up carries a lot of this movie where you're where you're just right up there on him. You can't look away from mm-hmm. him. You know. Exactly. And he plays so much in his voice and he plays so much in his physicality and he plays so much, you know, on, on his face and you you're always kind of knowing where he is for the most part. Uh, one of the things that this character has, he has a little nervous tick. Mm-hmm. And the nervous tick is a is a laugh mm-hmm. that he that he lets out. Uh, what did you think of the laugh? Because I almost equated the laugh uh, to like almost like uh, Tourette's or something. You know, it's like I was thinking that too. Because it's, it's, it's a tick. Exactly what I was thinking. It, it, that's that's exactly the laugh was 
I don't know. It was, it was pretty creepy for the most. It was. Part. It was really disconcerting, and the fact that like when he gets more upset, the uh-huh. more it, the more it comes out. Yeah, especially like situations like with the little girl. I mean, like I feel like that takes it to a whole new level because you know. Yeah. You know, that's just kind of creepy. He's just sitting there laughing. I mean. Yeah, one of the things I like, did you catch this? He has a calling card already, even though he's not the Joker at the beginning of the movie. He has a card. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was like a nice <laughs> sly touch, you know. Yes. Forgive me, I have a, a mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's fantastic. And he. the thing about this performance in this movie is this performance in movie would work if he doesn't turn into the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, if know. he just becomes a guy who gets that unhinged mm-hmm. and does the things that he does yeah. in this movie. So yeah. um, he's wonderful. I also want to add, I'm a comic book fan and I've been a Batman fan for a long time since I was little. He looks the most like the comic book version of the Joker when he's mm-hmm. in the war paint. Yeah. Even, uh, even with the little uh, differences, you know, the little blue, yeah, blue eyebrows, but he looks like the like physically he looks yeah, like he the does. Joker. Um, we can't. Uh, I don't think we can get around this. Um, you know, the one that this is getting compared to the most is Heath Ledger's performance, which is iconic right. at this point. You know, I mean, uh, right. And I remember the first time I saw Heath, I just went, "Wow!" <laughs> you know, what what is this? Yeah. Um, do you agree with Cade that Joaquin Phoenix makes Heath Ledger's performance look like a cartoon? Yeah, I, I think. Not only his performance, I think, getting that backstory and kind of just the whole, uh, you know, uh, mental instability of him, I think, makes him seem more real and less of, you know, he's a comic book character or a cartoon character in a sense, you know? Yeah, and he doesn't have that, like, iconic Heath Ledger moment, like with the pencils, the one mm-hmm. that always comes to my mind, you know, when he, you know, you want to see a magic trick and he, and he yes. knocks the guy's head on the pencil and goes, ta-da, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in the movie theater going, oh, my God, like... <laughs> This is twisted. Know. You know, this isn't Jack Nicholson, you know. <laughs> but um, with, with that said, I don't feel like Joaquin Phoenix has that that moment. It's just mm-hmm. the whole thing just, you know, because it feels so real that this is the that's, guy. That's it. I think that's the that, next that's to you. the thing with it. It's like it's like you said, this doesn't have even have to be the Joker. <laughs> like, no, this movie is no. just about this real man. You no. know, it just. That's it. And one thing I want to add here that I have in my notes, you know, it's kind of amazing about this movie and this performance because it's a character study, which he which he wanted to do mm-hmm. is there's really no plot here. There is a plot in that he kills three guys on the subway. They're looking for him. And then, you know, this thing. But right. And there's things happening in the movie, you right. know, but it doesn't feel like we're trying to get from point A to point B exactly. with any kind of urgency. We're just watching this guy go through mm-hmm. a transformation yeah you know and it's it's True. creepy watching him you know it really is go here let me ask this question were you rooting for him at all in this movie were you sympathetic and were you kind of maybe sort of pulling for him just a little bit yes <laughs> right I was right i mean kind of from the from the very start like you said with the kids beating him i mean you're like oh man you feel so terrible for him. And as it goes on, even as he's creepy, you're like, I still feel kind of bad for him. I don't know why. <laughs> one of one of the visual motifs in this movie is uh, stairs. You see mm-hmm. him going upstairs. You see him going downstairs. We're about to talk about the, the really famous scene from this. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. iconic already. Um, tunnels also play a part in this movie. And I'm, I'm going to address those in a second. I have, a, I have a read on this movie that's a little different, I think, from 
uh, I know some people, Faith was telling me that some people have had this read. Um, mine might be a little different I from there. I think theirs. yours was a little, at least what you told me was a little uh, more detailed. It's a little, a little different. more elaborate, yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, uh, the stairs are, are, uh, are a symbol throughout this and motif. And you see him going up and down. Mm-hmm. And he always looks very put upon. Well, when he finally comes into his own, and I think one of the things about this movie is when he finally becomes who he is. And that's the thing. He embraces this this person that he is. Mm-hmm. And he's in that suit and he's in the war paint and he's dancing down the stairs yep. to Gary Glitter's Hey Song. Okay. And it's not even a minute long. And he's but it's like uh, you know, visually he's descending into <laughs> madness. Yeah. And he's doing it he's dancing his way down yes. into madness. And it uh it to me is like one of the most iconic things I've seen in the past couple of years. And yeah. I would say rooting for him. I was, I'm mesmerized by this. I've, I watched the scene probably a dozen times, just watching him walk down the hallway on the elevator, little smile. And then he's dancing and the way that they film it. And you see, uh, you know, the way he's, he's moving and the smoke is coming out of his mouth mm-hmm. and, and the happiness in that, the joy in that yeah. scene of embracing who you are. Like it, it's, it's, is creepy and beautiful I all know. at the same time, which is, I think, the best description for this movie is creepy and beautiful. So. That's, that's literally what I was thinking the whole time. Like, this movie is so dark, and you even said gritty. That was a word I kept thinking of. It's gritty, it's dark, but it's so beautiful. And gritty because the the, the Gotham City that was here, which is, let's face it, New York City in, mm-hmm. the, in the late 70s, early 80s, there's trash everywhere. Right. You know, and that's a running thing. There's trash, and, mm-hmm. and it's just crime ridden and it's awful and yeah. it's the kind of place that needs a guy who dresses up like a bat to show up and exactly. clean up right <laughs> so um he's why well, can't i can't say enough good things about joaquin phoenix in this movie he carries this movie he let's really let's, does. Uh, let's go through the rest of the cast real quick uh robert de niro uh plays uh johnny carson style mm-hmm. talk show host uh it was nice to see de niro acting again mm-hmm. i mean that because he just kind of his you know <laughs> He shows up in these things that are so kind of beneath him, and it's right. nice. I, I totally bought him as this character. I did too. You know? I think he was, and like he was I said, nice it's to a, see. It's a nice turn for him playing the talk show host that Jerry Lewis played mm-hmm. in, um, uh, what's the movie? Uh, King of Comedy. Yes. From 83. So, uh, and that's another nod back towards Scorsese. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> they're linked at the hip, right? Right. <laughs> Frances Conroy, we've talked about her on the show before. Yes. She was in um, American Horror Story, and Frances Conroy has been in a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, she plays his mother, Penny F- Penny Fleck. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I said Penny just now was kind of funny. Penny, 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 <laughs> Penny Fleck, uh, who may or may not actually be his mother, as it turns out. Um, we're going to talk about that in a second too, with my read on this movie. Okay. Uh, she is a very interesting actress to me because. When I see her, I don't know what I saw her in that just instills this, like, my my spidey sense goes up for some reason. Like, there's always something a little off with her. Yes. And uh, <laughs> not her personally, and I'm pretty sure she's a lovely, delightful woman, but she, you know... She plays characters that just kind of... Yes, like Maura the Maid in yes. American Horror Story that just... <laughs> You know, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll give you a hug, but as soon as you turn around, they'll stab you right in the back, which is what she, she's done to poor Arthur Fleck here in in this movie. Uh, They have a very strange relationship in the Mm -hmm. movie. There's almost an edible thing going on with them. He bathes her. She's not well. She has narcissistic personality disorder, it turns out. And, um, 
she, you know, she's not in it much, but yeah. she she casts a pretty big shadow in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, she she's always always creeptastic to me. Yeah, that's what I think. She was a, a good choice because she's she's got that creepy thing. She's got to that thing. Her, yeah, and it just kind of fit here. Uh, Brett Cullen plays Thomas Wayne. This is a different Thomas Wayne than we've seen. We probably the most we've really seen Thomas Wayne yeah. on screen. He's kind of an ass <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> He's not what you expect. He's running for mayor of Gotham City. Okay, so this is maybe where you can start pulling some of the political stuff, like with Trump being a billionaire running for president. You had a billionaire running for mayor. Okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett Cullen uh, replaced Alec Baldwin in that role. I could have seen Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. playing that role in his sleep. Um, Brett Cullen has a, there's an interesting history here. He was actually in The Dark Knight Rises, the last of the Christopher Nolan movies. So this is his second appearance in the Batman film. He's a he's a great character. He's been in a whole bunch of stuff. He's one of those guys you might not know his name. You see him and you go. That, that that's guy. exactly what was that happening guy. when I was watching. <laughs> Brett Cullen. I thought his presence here as uh, as Thomas Wayne was uh, everything that you think it would be mm-hmm. for this guy. You know? Yeah. He's got one scene in particular in a bathroom where he, yes, where he punches him, and yeah. it's and and it's he play he just plays that guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. like I said, Brett Cullen's always great. Uh, uh, Zazy Beats, Miss Headphones, Miss Headphones Australia, <laughs> Headphones. Uh, plays his neighbor. Uh, she's not in it much, a pretty important role because uh, Arthur, again, spoilers here, Arthur is having uh, hallucin- hallucinations. He thinks that they have a relationship they really don't, you know? Yeah. And uh, I thought she was she was fine, you know? Uh, she was really good in the scene where you realize that they don't know each other yes. when, when he walks and wanders into her apartment, Robert Downey Jr. style. And she says, my daughter's in the other room. And it says everything because she's worried that this guy's that gonna... was a not, I didn't expect that. Yeah. To happen. I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, you didn't okay. you didn't realize that they were that they no, were not at first. That, that they didn't know each other. I had started picking it up just a little bit. I thought it was weird. It was weird. I thought it was weird. But a lot, then I was of, like, lot of well, things in this movie are like, weird. Maybe, though, maybe she's they? just really friendly. <laughs> You know, but I guess not. <laughs> so should we get into it? Should we get into my read of the movie? Okay. Yes. So as we said, you know, I, I just said it, but I'll say it again. Spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. If you have seen the movie, um, you know, this this might be interesting exercise here. I had a, I had a different read on it. Um, did you think when you watched it that the movie happened exactly as, as we were led to believe? Not necessarily. Not no. necessarily. Okay. So I, I find Arthur Fleck, the Joker, to be an unreliable narrator because of what we just said about his relationship with uh, Miss Beats. Exactly. Miss Beats. Um, at the end of the film, you see him in a room at Arkham, uh, either Asylum or the hospital or whatever it is. He's in the White Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they make great use of the Cream song, White Room in this movie. I was, I was happy to see, hear that. I'm always happy to hear white room by cream, but, uh, so he's in the room now at the beginning of the movie, he, he makes a quip that he says he'd be, he feels like he'd be better off back at the hospital. Right. Mm -hmm. And they show him in that same white room. He beats his head on the door. Okay. My take on this is that none of this happened. Nothing that we see in this movie Mm -hmm. actually happened. And I think symbolically the, the ladders, not the ladders, the steps up and down, in the in the uh, the tunnels, I was thinking shoots and ladders, and <laughs> uh, the tunnels were actually taking a trip through his brain. Mm-hmm. I think that he has conco- he has concocted this entire story. I think he is telling this story. It's a lie because the two psychiatrists that he deals with, his uh, social service lady and the lady at Arkham, look alike. Yes, it's not the same actress, but they look yes. alike. And 
I think he is weaving in and out of that reality, mm-hmm. I think is what is happening in this movie. And that would explain a lot of the inconsistencies that we have here with, uh, was he adopted by this one? Because no, I don't think any adoption agency in the 40s would have given that lady a child right. by herself. Right. Okay. He's a nobody. Everything wrong with him, the narcissist, her, I should say, the narcissistic personality disorder, blah, blah, blah. That's all his him. his issues. Yeah. Uh, I do think he's a nobody. I, I, I think he's telling the story almost like something out of the usual suspects when uh, uh, Kevin Spacey's telling the story and making it up as he's going. Mm-hmm. It would explain the inconsistencies in the Batman mythology with Thomas Wayne. With uh, Now, here's where I'm going the extra, <laughs> the extra level. I think he knows who Batman is at this point. I think he is telling... Now, Todd Phillips has not planted any of this in the movie. This is me just going, oh, this is what right. this is. Right. This is just, you know. <laughs> uh, I think the movie's actually taking place in present day. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Batman put him in Arkham Asylum. I think he is the Joker at this point. I think he knows who Batman is because of the whole thing with him wanting to be the brother of Bruce Wayne. He wants to be the son of Thomas Wayne. Mm-hmm. They're the flip sides of the coin. Yeah, that's the thing with the Joker and Batman. Yeah. yeah and we're going to talk more about them in our Batman 89 uh, episode that we're going to be doing. But they're always the flip side of the coin, dark and light, yep. you know, you know, uh, the, the big, bright, gaudy makeup, the guy wears black. <laughs> yeah, they're, right? they're yin and yang, and yeah, they complete each other, which they make the point of in The Dark Knight. So I think he knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. Uh, I think he's made himself more important in the story. He wants to be, he sees himself as the spiritual brother of Batman. He thinks he's more important than he is, and he started this movement, and that he created Batman, you know. Yeah. Narcissistic personality disorder. He created Batman. Which I don't think any of it happened. I think this is him recounting this story. I would buy that. And the visual evidence I have for that is when he starts laughing at the end and he tells it and she goes, what are you laughing at? And it's the only time in the movie that we hear him laugh genuinely. Mm-hmm, exactly. That he laughs and he, said, and he starts laughing. And she goes, what's so funny? He goes, you wouldn't get the joke. And we cut right then to young Bruce Wayne over the parents. I think he knows. I think he's concocting this whole story that this is all just crap. Uh, and I think the whole thing with uh, with the steps and the tunnels is we're literally traveling through his mind. Yeah. None of this happened. And it would explain any inconsistencies. <laughs> and it goes back to there's no official origin for the Joker. And he uh, always changes his backstory. He does this in the comics. He changes it constantly we don't know who this guy is we don't know who this guy is at the end of this movie i really think that is what's going on it's really clever i mean i would so buy that you know um i I know some people have have surmised that you know that it's crap that Mm -hmm. yeah but the thing the two tells are the shot at the beginning of him in the room he 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 bops his head against the wall then you're back in that room at the end it's the same thing. Yeah. And there's several things, too, that happen where you go, wait, what's the kind of not surreal moments, but the moments where you go, yeah, wait, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. The kind of weird moments. Exactly. And then they, they cut over to like he'll be standing in the same position. It's almost like it's the, the movies happen in free form, like, you know, these cuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see him in the movie. There's one in particular where he's like, uh, I think he's at Arkham. The whole thing with Arkham, too, where he runs away in the hospital and you see him running away yes. at the end. There's so many things. Yeah. I don't think the movie happens in night. 
the movie obviously happens in 1981 here, but him telling the story, I think is present day. Present, I think, yeah. I think he is just completely, yeah. You know, making this up. Yeah. I'd buy that. You know? Um, so I don't know, but to explain like all the inconsistencies with the adoption. Well, did Thomas Wayne forge those documents or did she really adopt him? Like we don't know the truth because right. there is no truth. Right. There's no truth to it. Exactly. So, and a narcissistic personality wants to create sympathy for themselves. How much sympathy is he creating for himself? Like, Oh, he gets beat up. Yep. People walk by him. He was dropped on his head. He was abused. You know, all of these things. Yep. And you're, you're starting to sympathize with the Joker mm-hmm. of all people, yeah. you know, I don't know. I have not read anything one way or the other about that. People have said, yeah, he's telling, you know, he's making up the story. But the whole thing with the Batman issue then, you know, like he knows, you know, I really think he knows because they have the um, one of the things that's another tell to me is they show Bruce Wayne going down the pole, which is a visual callback to 1960s Adam West going down the pole. You know, it's all there, (laughs) you know, and him putting the smile on Bruce Wayne and 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 referencing back to the killing joke with him wanting to make him laugh. You know, it, I think it's there and he sees himself as the brother of Batman, which is what this movie is trying to want to say. Right. And I remember reading about that before the movie came out. I was like, no, they're not brother. You know, that's weird. You can't do that. No, it worked. It, right. <laughs> but in his mind, they are, Yeah. you know, yeah. they, they complete each other. So, I think it's interesting. I, I, think, I think I think yeah. it's really interesting. I I think there is something there. Yeah, I really do. I think that's very clever. You know, um, do you? Th- they're talking about a sequel. Do you want to see a sequel to this? I don't want to see a sequel to this. I think this is. I think leave this it alone. is it. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of just leave it. I mean, uh, yeah, I would say leave it alone. Yeah. I have a feeling we're going to have a rash of uh, DC one-offs with the villains, you know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, Bradley Cooper is Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Josh Gad is Penguin. Yeah. You get all these, these one-offs that aren't going to be n- anywhere as good as this. No, no. Yeah. This is fantastic. I'm really glad they did this. I, I, I don't say this very often about people working in the industry because I mean, Todd Phillips has been around a long time. He's, he's been doing very well, but you know, it's really great and inspiring to see a guy reinvent himself this way mm-hmm. and to do it. I think and in interviews I've read and seen with him, he's, he, he's great. You know, and he's a fan of a film. That's the right. thing. He's not just a funny, you know, funny movie guy. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does. You yeah. know, he, um, th- this was fantastic. It really you know. was. Like I said, and surprising, like I said, you read that filmography and you right? go, wait, he did this, you know? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I think I definitely enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. And I've heard good things about it, but you know, yeah. again, I'm, I'm and you know how things about, get built up yeah. too. You know. So I mean, yeah, I was I was very surprised how good this was. Yeah, top to bottom, top yeah. to bottom. Uh, like I said, the, at the time of recording, uh, the Oscars for us are tomorrow, and when this comes out, it will, they will have been the day before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that he, he's going to win oh, yeah. because the the smart money is on him. And this is, I really think this is one of the great the great performances here. Yeah, and it's so good and yeah. so I think uh, he's understated in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. It's very understated. Oh yeah, so. absolutely. It's a creep fest. It's good. Uh, if if you take anything away from this, be nice. Be nice to people. Just be nice. Be nice. That's it. Anybody. Be nice. Not. This this could have been avoided. This mm-hmm. so many things can be avoided if you just take a little time 
to be kind and polite to people. And, you know, we say, like we were talking about earlier, the end of the world seems to always be coming, you know, in uh, the golden rule, you know, applause, treat people the way you would like to be treated, you know, and, uh, you never know what you might drive somebody to do, you know, you never, you really don't don't that little, somebody having a bad day, you kind of being rude to somebody could just put them right over the edge. I think that's a great life lesson, you know? So I loved it. Great film. Me too. Great film. Um, Looking forward to what everybody involved in this does next. Me too. But hopefully it's not another Joker movie. <laughs> no, I know. Do you have anything uh, anything you would like to add about Joker before we uh, we close up? Chomping no, up? I think that's it. I think. Uh, I, I yeah. I think I'm good. If you haven't seen it, see it. Yes, it's worth it. And uh, you made a great point. I, I can't believe we didn't bring it up. The colors in this are really beautiful. Oh, All the beautiful. colors. This is a very visually striking movie. It is. I, I, I think. I think it's nice that. You know, the movie's kind of dark and, like we said, gritty and his mind's kind of dark. But I feel like everything around him was just kind of, it popped, you know. Because he wanted to be happy. Yep. He wanted to be happy. Yep. Well, Faith, I think uh, we're going to let Lever take us out again. (laughs) But uh, what should we? We should should, uh, close up shop. What should we tell them to keep on their leash? Keep their their clown on a leash? Yes. That works. That'll work. So, all right. Until next time, I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we want you to keep Keep your your clown clown on a leash. Be nice to each other, huh? Let's turn that clown upside down. Swirl. Your heart is aching. Swirl. Even though it's breaking, there's clouds in the sky. You're gonna get by. If you just smile, small, 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 seriously, you bringing everybody down.